Hi, welcome to Your Hired, the podcast brought to you by the Bastion Family Center for Career Success. My name is Roman. And I'm Lorley. And we're here with Malati, who won the Young Alumni Achievement Award. So just to begin, um, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself and what you're currently involved in? Um, sure. So I am an assistant professor of economics at a business school in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and I'm also a research affiliate with MIT Sloan in Boston. So I primarily um, teach economics, but I also do research on a variety of topics in economics. Cool. So I was wondering, what did you do right after Knox and how did that lead to sort of what you're doing today? So right after Knox, I um, applied to grad school immediately, actually. So I think I graduated in like May and then in August started a PhD program in economics. So I moved um, to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I uh, finished my PhD and sort of at Knox, uh, sorry, at UNC, that's when I realized um, that my passion, which I think was sparked at Knox, was really teaching. So I kind of always knew that I wanted to teach people to sort of be the uh, the, the Knox professor, uh, sort of paying it forward type of thing. Um, so I decided to go into academia. I've never worked outside of academia, although I have, through my research, worked with a variety of international organizations, um, such as United Nations. I recently um, am working on a project with the World Health Organization. I work with the UN Refugee Agency. Um, so, you know, my work as an economist and a teacher has sort of brought me to a lot of um, social impact type of projects, which I'm also really passionate about. Thank you for that. Um, you talked like a little bit about finding your passions. Um, and was there any like specific experiences while you were at Knox that helped you find those? Or was it mostly like after you graduated and you like were kind of thinking about those experiences as a whole? I think that I was given a lot of space at Knox to explore all sorts of different stuff, right? So I was actually not an econ major until my senior year or like junior year when you uh, sort of like the latest date you could decide what your major was. That's that's when I decided, okay, I'm going to do econ. Um, so before that, you know, I, I was a creative writing major for like two years. Um, I was really interested in a lot of history. Um, I did a lot of, um, you know, student um, organizations. Um, so through that and just, you know, talking to a variety of professors, um, it really made me kind of develop a multidisciplinary view and approach to how education should work. Um, and I feel like that that's sort of how my career ended up. So I, I don't only teach, I don't only do research, you know, I work with practitioners, I work with NGOs, I work with grassroots organizations, and I do research. Um, so uh, I feel that the the sort of opportunities that Knox gave just in terms of um, breadth, like how how many, you know, all this class, super cool classes that I took at Knox really helped me with, with um, you know, deciding that this is what I want to do. Cool. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit, you talked about how you do a variety of work, some in research and teaching and some with working with NGOs and more. I wonder if you could sort of talk more to what skills are required day to day for you in, in all the sorts of things you're involved with. So um, I would say that a very strong um, understanding of quantitative work is necessary. So, you know, really good understanding of stats, um, of sort of logic, how to formally argue your points, because um, when you're a researcher and you're sort of working more in policy, you need to be able to convince people who may not care at all about your work 
um, that your work is actually important. So um, I would say like logic classes, so math classes were very helpful for me. Um, proof writing classes were helpful. And honestly, um, I think the biggest skill that Knox prepared me for was writing. So, you know, all those like uh, when I was at Knox, we had the, the uh, first year preceptorial class. I'm not sure whether it's still there, um, but I used to hate it because I was like, oh, my God, like I would get back my paper and it would come back with like tons and tons of red marks. But really, that was sort of the, the highlight of my um, career in terms of, you know, somebody actually sitting down and giving me detailed feedback on how to write and how to convince people of my arguments. Um, so... I truly feel that that writing is a skill that I use quite a lot. Um, being able to persuasively get my points across is another thing. And also just general knowledge. So a lot of what I do is also um, trying to get you know, corporate partners interested in impactful work on the ground. And because of that, um, you know, generally it's good to just have a, a sense of how the world is and you know being able to speak intelligently about you know the the economy in general or the political situation wherever you are or nowadays you know people kind of expect you to be up to date with how covid is evolving around the world so just a general knowledge general sense of what is happening with the world has been extremely useful yeah sounds like you just have like a lot of skills that are usually like transferable to all the different parts of your job um yes like speaking about like each different part, is there like one part that you enjoy more than the others or do you like to have like that rounded kind of like day to day of everything? I really, really enjoy public advocacy. So a lot of, you know, my, my research projects uh, may not be that exciting, just sort of in its pure form to the public. Um, so what, what's really cool for me is being able to sort of transform you know, what I know into something that the general public appreciates and sort of understands. So, you know, a big part of doing policy work is making sure people understand that this problem is actually a problem. And so to me, the puzzle of converting, you know, all this like raw data, not that interesting numbers into a story, so sort of like the storytelling, the narrative aspect of it is, is really what I enjoy the most. So I'm actually wondering if you could talk a little bit about the opposite. Is there anything about your job that maybe gets in the way of the more enjoyable parts, like things you have to deal with, some maybe negatives? Um, so I think I mentioned earlier, so I've basically um, only worked in academia, although I've had a taste because I work at a business school. I, have a, I will also do sort of consulting, side consulting gigs with companies and stuff like that. So I think the the biggest issue with academia is that there's not a very good separation between your your professional life and your private life. So, you know, a lot of people tend to think about weekends as time off and nights, you know, I like stop working at five and then I can just go home or turn off Zoom. Um, academics don't really live that kind of life. So, you know, for us, like weekends are typically when we try to get more work done. Nights are nice, especially if you have kids. Uh, when the kids are asleep, um, you can do more work. Um, so I would say that that's, that's kind of a negative in, in the sense that you, you sort of just kind of like living your career rather than the career is something that you do and then you're done with it and then you live your life. Um, so to me, that would be a negative, just sort of being fully immersed. Now, it sounds fun, but um, burnout rates are pretty high when you do this sort of work. So you need to be able to pace yourself and, you know, recognize that everybody needs to take some time. Yeah. Out. Is there anything that you found that helps you maintain a better work-life balance? So um, my husband is 
pretty good with pulling me back. So I think if you have a support system, um, you should rely on the support system to tell you when you need to sort of take a step back. It doesn't have to be a spouse or a partner. I mean, I think family members generally are pretty good with, or friends uh, who care about you are pretty good with telling you that, hey, you need to step back, you're, you're burning, you're gonna burn out from this career pretty soon. Um, so I think I think that relying on support systems, whoever those people may be, is a good thing. Um, but I also think that there there is a sense in which you know we're, we're all we're all trying to make an impact. We're all trying to you know make a living, and sometimes we don't really think about how how we personally feel about things. And I think one challenge for me in my career has been to just like personally realize that I need to slow down. Um, and as you age, you know like issues with with not being able to deal with time tend to translate into anxiety and sort of bigger issues that manifest physically and stuff like that. So I feel like there has to be a sense in which people need to just take some time and, you know, not feel guilty or uncomfortable about taking a break. I think we're all a little bit indoctrinated about having to work all the time and honestly rest and, and taking care of yourself matters much more in the long run than, you know, working all the time. Um, do you have any advice for students who are maybe like feeling that burnout but don't really have like a support system? Like, is there anything else that you've learned that kind of like helps with that? Yes. So I have found a variety of um, escape mechanisms, I guess, uh, with dealing with this. So um, for me, well, actually, I have a book right here. So well, you can't really see the book I'm holding in the podcast, but um, I read a lot and I don't read like heavy you know, history type stuff, I read whatever I feel interesting. And to me, like reading and being able to just sit down and not do something has been really great for escaping my stress. So I would highly recommend finding hobbies, honestly. Um, I was speaking to somebody um, the other day, and they were, we were just reminiscing about how, you know, we've graduated from college, like more than a decade ago at this point. And they were asking me, like, you know, so, how do you think your self-care routine has changed since you were, you know, 21 or 22? And I thought to myself and I was like, wow, I think I used to take care of myself more. Like I used to enjoy talking to people and, you know, doing like things that I just enjoyed and just wanted to do for the sake of just doing them. And over time I lost that. Like, I think I lost a lot of the, the fun things in life. And so I guess my advice to uh, anybody listening to this is, you know, you probably know what you love. You probably know what you enjoy. You probably know what you want to do just because, you know, you want to do it. Never lose those things because once you do, it's really hard to get back on that horse. So keep on doing what you love. Maybe you have to dial back a little bit because your career ramps up, but never give them up completely because it's it's going to make a difference. Yeah, I think that's something really important to remember, especially as students. Like we get so caught up in like all of the classes and like other stuff. So yeah, thank you for that advice. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> so between the time from graduating from Knox and now, I was wondering if you had something really important, uh, maybe other than like taking care of yourself and and being responsible with, with work-life work balance, something important that you've learned along your journey in academia. So I think one thing that I've learned um, is that 
you shouldn't let other people dictate what a career means to you. So let me give you some, some like a bit more concrete example on this. So when you enter academia, people tend to think like, oh, this is going to be like a job where you just do research all the time and, you know, you publish in high impact journals and, you know, this is all you do for the rest of your life and you hear publish or perish a lot. Um, and that is kind of what I was taught in grad school like this is like the only way one can have a fulfilling career as an academic is to do this um but I was actually very lucky because you know I went to Knox and I saw that different professors had different ways of defining what success looks like in academia and then after Knox uh, after sorry after grad school I actually taught at Davidson so another liberal arts college and so I saw you know how different people define success which is completely different across you know um, categories across time, across just the type of people they are. So really, because of that, you know, I kind of always rejected this notion that there was only one stereotypical way of succeeding in academia. And that's how, you know, I got involved with things that I care about. So more on the activism, on the advocacy, on policymaking, on, you know, trying to convince the public that they should care about things. Um, trying to, you know, reduce the amount. So I do a lot of work on discrimination and xenophobia. So trying to reduce xenophobia and discrimination, finding ways, um, interventions to sort of decrease um, that and make other people's lives better. So that was sort of the stuff I was interested in. And so I think over, over the years, I've sort of oriented my career in a way that may not seem like a traditionally successful academic, but I'm happy and I think I help a lot of people. And um, I think realizing that, you know, I shouldn't box myself in because that's what people expect you to has been really, really helpful. Um, so I guess my advice in general is, you know, you, you need to realize or you need to think about what you want from life and sort of, you know, what do you actually care about? Uh, because you're going to be doing this for a long time. So you want to be able to, to you know, derive some amount of satisfaction from that. And then chart your own path. I feel like Knox really taught me that, you know, we, like, like the, quote, weird people can find our way through, through the world and figure out what we want to do that we can give back and also be happy. So don't let people define what success is for you. You should define what it means to, to you and sort of to people you love uh, more than anything. Yeah. That's really helpful. Um, and like a question off of that is while you're trying to find like what success means to you, um, I'm sure like everybody's going to like encounter some failures in their life. Um, do you have any advice on like dealing with that oh, yes. or like how to overcome that and like get up and get going again? Yes. So I think um, that's a really great question. So I personally struggled a lot with failure and I still do because I still fail. Um, but I think the, 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 the thing that really helped me was something my mom told me, which is that, you know, if you fail, it's something that you thought you wouldn't fail at. The, the first thing is to mourn. And I feel like people don't do that as much. So, you know, just like realize that, yeah, this is really sad and I didn't achieve this and that's okay. And then after that, you know, you can sort of try and, and dig yourself out of this sort of hole of misery but it's okay to mourn and it's okay to feel sad about things because you know like of course it's it's terribly devastating to be failing at something um but after that you know i think what people need to know and what i've been trying to normalize for my students as well is that everybody fails like you know i failed things in grad school there was a point where i was like oh my god maybe i won't make this phd and what's going to happen to me and everybody's depending on me but after a while you realize that 
you know, the fact that everybody has made it this far, the fact that everybody, you know, you're all graduating from Knox um, means that you're way ahead of the curve and you've achieved so many more things than what, you know, most people do on average. So I'd say just take, take everything in stride, realize everybody fails. Maybe the first couple of times it happens, it's going to suck. But after that, you realize that, hey, it just happens to everybody and that's okay. Um, I've also been trying to, as an educator, just telling people more that, you know, I have failed in the past. So students also seem to think that their professors somehow like never failed and that's why they're professors, but that's not true. <laughs> I'm sure if you buy somebody, any professor, any, any academic a coffee, they can tell you a list of, you know, uh, past failures that, that have happened and how it, it really it was terrible, but they got over it. So do not lose faith, especially when you're young. <laughs> so we've talked about what it means to have a relationship with, with a career and the negatives and positives and dealing with burnout and what it means to be successful and how to persevere through failure. I was wondering if there's one last piece of advice you would I want to give Knox students, whether or not they were uh, deciding to enter academia like you, maybe a piece of advice that would have helped you a lot when you were graduating from Knox. So one thing that I underestimated when I was um, applying for grad school, so basically at the end of my career, my Knox career, was how much people, so sort of like more seasoned people in the field are actually willing to mentor and give advice. So for example, I didn't know until I had decided on which program to go to that Knox actually had sent, you know, a bunch of people to PhDs in economics. And there were people now who were like chairs of departments who were heading you know, PhD programs that I was really, really interested in. So I didn't reach out to those people and I really should have. So, and actually to add another fun fact, the first um, job that I got after I got my PhD was actually through a cold email. So I basically just like sent a bunch of emails to people and just said, hey, can you like talk to me? And I'm kind of looking for something and this is my CV, you know, what, what let, let's just have a chat. And that worked. So I feel like my last piece of advice for, uh, for Knox, um, um, students and grads is that if you know, for example, that you're interested in finance or you're interested in healthcare, or you may want to go to law school, or you may want to go to medical school, try to find out through, you know, the faculty or the career center who actually, who are our sort of networks within those fields, and then shoot them an email, try to get a call and sort of a quick chat with them to figure out whether or not they have any advice for you. I found that tremendously helpful. Um, and also just going beyond the Knox circles, let's say, you know, Knox says, oh, we don't actually have um, somebody who did, you know, thing X or thing Y. Why not just find that person and send them an email? Honestly, I have responded to 100% of emails sent to me over the years by students who wanted to become economists. Like, I think it's great. And it's actually really, really kind of sweet that pe when people ask you for advice on sort of how to make it at the beginning. And so people are willing to talk. So why not just ask them? So always reach out. If they don't reply, then hey, you know, whatever. But they may just reply and tell you or open new doors for you. So just try. Thank you for that. And thank you so much for coming on and talking to us today.